with your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Yes, it's Friday, the 1st of December, 2023. Uh, this is TNT Radio. I'm Rick Munn, and this is the Locked and Loaded Show. Uh, we are coming at you live from the Gold Coast in Australia. But of course, we're beaming out all over the world, and people are listening in from all over the world and interacting with us even as we speak in our live chat, which can be found at our website or on our website, which is tntradio.live. Now, I know this may sound obvious. It may sound like a broken record, but we do have an app. We do have an app that's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. Uh, search for TNT Radio, download it onto your listening device of choice and stay connect- connected with us perpetually here in TNT. And of course, now you can watch us. Heavens above, you can watch us uh, on Odyssey, on Rumble, on Facebook, on X, all the major streaming platforms, on Twitter, and even, of course, on our website itself. There's a little uh, insert about halfway down the homepage, tntradio.live, because we're still getting people asking, how do we actually watch the shows? How do we see them? Uh, Go onto the homepage, tntradio.live, scroll about halfway down, and there's a little embedded YouTube live stream on there too. And I'm also reliably informed that uh, also I'm getting inquiries, well, can we watch back uh, the recorded video episodes. Can we see those rather than just listening to the audio? I believe that is being worked on as we speak. Some episodes are available uh, to, to look back upon. Uh, they're ruling that out at the minute or they're working on ruling that out across all the platforms as well. So soon you'll actually be able to uh, see the recorded video episodes on the channels as well as just the recorded audio back catalog as well. So Always, as always here at TNT Radio, we are a work in progress. We're always trying to make things that much better and that much more enjoyable for you, the listener, or now the watcher, as it happens to be. So please uh, stay tuned and keep an eye on our website for more details. We're updating that constantly, always, too. So in this hour, I'm going to be talking with Gemma Cooper again. And of course, my friend uh, from Northern Ireland, although he's from England originally, but he's moved over here some years ago. Johnny Feisman will be joining me uh, to give us an update on what's happening with uh, Vibs Northern Ireland group that he's part of as well. Some of the research that he has tirelessly carried out over the last three years, now that he's starting to see some breakthroughs with various inquiries and, uh, you know, uh, backtracking that's going on. He's been vindicated from a lot of things that he's been saying over the last few years with vaccine damage, uh, contents of these things, the, the so-called pseudoscience behind masking, etc. It's all starting to unravel now. Uh, and he was affected very badly. He was booted off from, uh, LinkedIn profiles and YouTube channels and things like that. So he suffered a little bit as a result of that. So we'll get an update from Johnny very shortly. Uh, in Australia, I just want to look very briefly at Australia, uh, digital ID bill has passed the first of three stages, uh, tweets out Mr. Malcolm Roberts himself, a senator for Queensland for the One Nation Party. The Labour government is pushing ahead with their globalist control agenda by introducing the digital ID bill. Uh, this proposal is nothing more than a 21st century version of Soviet Soviet Russia's favourite measure, papers, please. And yes, uh, you Aussies know all about that over the last three years during the scandemic, as we do here in the UK and Ireland as well. Senator Gallagher says that my gov ID is not compulsory. 
that it's misinformation. Uh, the director's ID legislation didn't mention that MyGov ID yet every director was required to actually get one themselves. The reason 10 million Australians have a MyGov ID is because 10 million Australians were coerced into getting one. Uh, the One Nation Party will be fighting this terrible bill at every stage. So think about that. 10 million Aussies already have this MyGov ID, and I believe the population of Australia is around about 30 million people. So as we speak, give or take, roughly a third of the population of Australia already has this because they were coerced into doing it. You can't do this without it. You can't do that without it. You can't access this and you can't access that without it. So already they, they're well underway to getting the population of Oz signed up for this uh, MyGov business. So keep an eye on that one and follow uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts. He is uh, pushing pushing against this uh, very strongly and he needs to be supported. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. As per now, I'm going to welcome uh, Gemma into the fray and uh, we'll see what she has to say here on TNT. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, this whole business on control, uh, obviously it's not something that's going away. People, you know, we, when you when you think about motives behind everything that's happened over the last three years, uh, even what you're going to talk about in a minute or two to do with, uh, you know, the alarmism that's being brought in about, you know, heat, global warming, it all boils down to control. They want to control uh, who we can talk to, when we can talk to them, where we can go, what we can say, what we can't say, where we can visit, when we can travel, how far we can travel. Does it not all simply boil down to a control issue, no matter what the, you know, the topic is, uh, whether it be digital ID, central bank, digital currency, traveling, climate, it all boils down to control. Absolutely. Yeah, you've completely hit the nail on the head there. It all boils down to control. It always did. Um, but of course, you know, I think that the, the pesky underlings, i.e. the 99.9%, which we are, um, have, have gained more freedoms in the last few years with the internet. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the, the thought of a foreign holiday for a working class person was out of the question. But in the last 20, 30 years, people have started traveling more, meeting people from other cultures more. And, you know, I think the elites, the controllers, whatever you want to call them they were seeing that we were taking control of our lives and they thought we were not having this and that's just in a physical kind of realm not least the spiritual and emotional uh, control of your life and they, they just don't want it i mean this this thing is happening on so many different layers um, you can look at it politically economically but then there is a spiritual uh, and 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 kind of esoteric component to it too um the thing is they're, they're not winning that's what's so great they're not winning. They think they are. Well, I don't even think they think they are. I think they know they're losing. So this is why it's all happening so fast, you know, since the last three and a half years. You know, these other mechanisms are being brought in really, really swiftly. But there is this kickback. Fair play to Malcolm Roberts. There is this kickback. Yeah. And there's a little group uh, of Aussie senators that have been really, really vocal against everything for the last few years, give them the Jews. Jared Rennick uh, has been very against it. Alex Antic, of course, Malcolm Roberts, George Christensen as well, uh, was very against uh, what has been going on. Very outspoken in the Australian Senate and the Australian Parliament, and they received an awful lot of flack uh, as a result for that. So fair play to them. They haven't uh, given up and they haven't let up one inch. And uh, they're out there fighting for the rights and the freedom uh, of 30 odd million Australians. 
Australians and some of those people think they're the enemy and they think these senators are against them and they want to hurt them. They, 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 they don't. They just want to try and keep them alive for a little bit longer and give them a little bit more uh, freedom. So uh, we'll have another story here to cover here. Uh, I've touched on it very briefly here to do with climate. But again, this is used as another way to frighten us. Uh, well, attempt to frighten the masses. Let me just say, I don't think you and I are quaking as a result of this one, but uh, more stories that are being put out there that someone would take them at face value and actually start to think, hey, we're heading towards a fiery inferno. Uh, what's uh, what's this one about in particular? Well, I thought I'd try and have some fun with this one, you know, because it is Friday and uh, it, I, I have got my former hat on. I used to be a presenter at the BBC for my sins and I was a, once a weather presenter. So mm. I had a look at this story and I thought, oh, my goodness me, let, let's let's have some fun with this. Given that I don't know about where you are, Rick, but here where I am in the UK, it's absolutely bloody freezing at the moment. And it's, it's set to continue for the next few days. Um, so this uh, headline I saw and the data was released just ahead of COP28 in Dubai. No surprise, surprise. Um, scientists and weather experts are virtually certain, they say, that 2023 will be the hottest year on record. And this has come from the World Meteorological Organization, uh, looked at the data from April to October. They say uh, that the oceans are at record highs and it's the hottest temperature on land for 120,000 years. I do not know how they can um, come up with that yeah. statistical fact. Um, because when what they've done is they've averaged out the temperatures. in the, they've, I've taken UK, for example. They've averaged out the temperatures in the UK. So July was quite warm. We had some nice summer weather. Surprise, surprise, you know, shocker. It's hot in July. Huh? It was lovely. I loved it. I got a good suntan. Um, but um, I don't know if you remember August. It was rubbish. It was awful. Yep. It was the school holidays were a complete washout. So how they can say it's the hottest, it's because they've averaged out the temperatures and they say it's 1.4 degrees centigrade warmer than it ever has been. Now, records. This is the thing. Oh, it's the hottest year on record. It's the hottest year ever. Records only go back, Rick. And I know this as a former weather presenter. Records only go back a few hundred years. That's it. That's all they're basing their analysis on. Given how old the planet is, they can't possibly know it's the hottest ever. They can't. They're only basing it on data that, I mean, for example, the Central England Temperature Database data series only goes back 364 years. That's the longest ever continuous record of temperatures. The Armar Observatory in your neck of the woods, mm -hmm. that's only got 224 years of unbroken weather data. And the Met Office, which you think would be the gold standard, actually only goes back, well, 1872, but public records from that data really are only countable since 1910 and 1914. So it's its a misnomer. These headlines, they're shocking people. Oh, my goodness me, we need, we need to get behind the COP28 because records show it's the hottest year. It's its just all rubbish, actually, if you look at the stats like that. Uh, and of course, you know, King Charles has given his speech at, in Dubai, one of the world's biggest oil producing nations, and God knows what they spend on air conditioning as well out there. But he's given his speech today, we must do more, we must do more. If any of them in Dubai believed any of this, none of them would be there. None of them would have got on a plane. So yeah, control, this is what this is all about, as you rightly alluded to at the top of the show. Um, but I look at this and I think, I just laugh. And I used to do it for a living. I can't believe I did it. I cannot believe I did it, but I did it. But uh, never again. Would you not think uh, they would add a little bit more credibility to this story instead, uh, you know, if, if, because it needs a lot of credibility? 
to give it a little bit more, uh, because anybody with a, a little bit of knowledge could pick a hole in this, as you've rightly done, to say, look, records only go back, you know, 200 years, 220 years, 250 years maximum. Why do they have to absolutely over-egg pudding by saying, you know, it's the hottest, you know, year in 120,000 years? What if you were to ask them, about, say, listen, uh, just doing a little bit of research into that, could you drop pull me up the records from 1050 or from 200 BC, please. Uh, do you have those to hand from the Armagh Observatory? They don't exist. So uh, the over-sensationalism of these stories, actually, I believe Gemma does them a lot of harm. Uh, so, you know, to say about 123,000 years, as you say, who can actually go back and check that one out? There's another uh, little strap line underneath the story that you've sent through. For example, it says uh, the world is on track for a hellish three degrees Celsius of global warming <clears throat> by the end of the century. The United Nations warms will again just pie in the sky figures. End of the century, three degrees C, global temperature is. There's no way they can verify that. There's no way that they can actually prove that this is going to be the case. And as you've said, I think most people, the, thing, the biggest debunker of uh, all these climate uh, hysteria stories is when people look out the window or they leave the house in the morning, no matter where they are in the UK and Ireland, like we had about six days of heat here in June. We had another six days in October. And since last Christmas, it's been pretty damn cold here. It's been raining more than ever. And I'm certainly not suffering uh, from the results of global warming here. I think you would attest to the same thing in the place that you live in or the place where you Absolutely. live. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's bloody freezing where I am. Mm -hmm. Absolutely bloody freezing. They had to chip me out of bed this morning mm -hmm. to, to go on to uh, mm -hmm. Dean Mackin's show. It's, it's really, really cold. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, I'm sure they will find a way with these headlines. You have to laugh over them. You know, it's really, really cold because of global warming. You know, they will mm -hmm. find a way of linking it in. And I'm really fond of saying to people, you know, three words when they start talking about this medieval warm period. I've mentioned it before here on TNT. It was so warm in the medieval warm period. We've got this as fact. They were growing grapes in Scotland and making wine. Well, Scotland now is really chilly, you know, at this time, really chilly most of the year. But no, no, medieval warm period, the whole earth was in a completely different state. Um, and we seem to have survived that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just laughing at this because I've got my thermal socks on and I've got a vest mm -hmm. on and it's bloody freezing. So I, really, yeah. this is ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. <laughs> On our central heating, I mean, uh, we've had the thing, the last week over here in particular, the temperatures have really dropped something serious. So the heating's been on almost nonstop uh, in, in the house here, top and bottom. You know, I, I wish uh, in, in a way that there was some element of truth to these global warming stories because it would save people like us who are probably feeling the pinch of the cost of living uh, crisis, putting gas, uh, using gas-fired heating, oil-fired central heating, having electricity on because it's getting darker as well during the winter months. A little bit of global warming probably would be welcome where you are, and it certainly would be welcome where I am, but I'm not seeing uh, any evidence of that whatsoever. So uh, big thanks to you as always uh, for bringing that to us this morning, Gemma. Uh, I'll see you again, yeah, Monday, Friday. I'm losing track of time a little bit here, but it's been a, a very intense week, a great week. And thank you very much for your input. As always, that's Gemma Cooper. Uh, she will be back with us on Monday morning, and I will be back after this short break with the one and only Johnny Weissman. So please stay tuned. He's all the risks here at TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks where you go for a walk 
without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. Well, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, this is Locked and Loaded. We're coming at you live from the Gold Coast in Australia. I'm very happy to be joined again this morning by Jonathan Feisman, also known as All the Risks. Uh, you can follow him if you don't already do so on social media, uh, on the X platform in particular, at All the Risks, which is all one word. And of course, he has his own website, alltherisks.com, where he has all his research published, all his talks uh, are published there, all the seminars that he's been a participant in are all to be found there on alltherisks.com. So without any further ado, I say uh, a very warm welcome back to Locked and Loaded this morning. How are you doing, Jonathan? Doing really well, Rick. Great to be here and um, glad to be on camera as well. So hope everyone's yeah. uh, dealing with this. Uh, <laughs> Try to smarten up for today. So great to be here, Rick. Yeah, that's the thing. We were having a laugh uh, during, well, actually, you and I were joking about it, but Natalie and I and Gemma were joking about it in the last hour too. You know, the amount of money that's spent uh, on grooming products, you know, shaving foam and razor blades and hair dye and all this business, haircuts. You know, uh, there's a lot of money to be saved, my friend, if you just go for the rugged, clean, but rugged look. And I think that's what we're both aiming for this morning. What do you say? Uh, the John the Baptist look, right? Yeah, the Baptist look. <laughs> wild without locusts, the locusts, <laughs> without the locusts and wild honey, I think that's maybe where uh, Clash Schwab is getting some of his cues from, <laughs> and he could probably argue it from a biblical perspective, but we're not going to give him any airtime here this morning. But yes, uh, welcome back. Uh, we have a lot to talk about this morning. Every time we do speak, of course, the old adage, a lot of water has passed under the bridge since our last conversation, and it has. I suppose I would like to kick off with you this morning, if you don't mind. Uh, there's a group that you are part of, which is the Vid NI group. Uh, you've been very active with those guys. I've had the pleasure of having uh, several members from that group on here uh, on um, Locked and Loaded and also a very in-depth conversation with Sharon Kelso as well from the Vibs NI group. You guys are uh, pushing 
to get uh, voices heard within Northern Ireland for people that have been effectively uh, damaged and then discarded uh, by the health system uh, when it comes to vaccine damage from the COVID vaccines and other vaccines for that matter, trying to get a voice in Stormont, meeting resistance, meeting red tape, uh, lack of compliance with certain political parties. Can you give us a little overview as to where you guys are at with that now? Are you making any headways to getting a national signature to be able to go to Stormont, to be able to make your voices heard? So yeah, ju just to say, we're still being blocked when it comes to having representation from the nationalist community. So to have an event in the seat of parliament, um, which has been devolved to Northern Ireland, which is in uh, Belfast in Stormont, you need a signature from both sides of the community. So we have the unionist signature, we have a couple of them, but we need one from the nationalist side. What we found is these parties like Sinn Féin and the SDLP, it's essentially like a party line that no one can sign up to this event. So we put pressure onto um, those particular parties to allow their own MLAs to sign up for this um, event so that the uh, representation can, can be had in Stormont itself so that we can give the proper due attention to the issue that we're raising. To that end, we've encouraged people to contact their local politicians, their MLAs, so that individually their local constituency offices feel the pressure of the people because all we're doing is being a voice for the people. It's really no different when you look back to the rallies. We face some challenges when it comes to getting permission to um, make our voice known outside City Hall in Belfast. We might have faced some challenges, especially anyone who was involved right back at the start in 2020. Now, I wasn't involved at that particular stage, but I know some of my friends who were involved, what a challenge it was, how much pressure they were put under. I would liken this to the same thing. We're at a different point in time. We are not being blocked from assembling in the public square period. We are Our opinions are even being given a little bit more airtime by the wider society. I'm not getting as much pushback in person anymore, not as much pressure. Mm. But when it comes to getting it into the types of places where it needs to go, in other words, political heart of power, it's still being blocked. But on the positive side, our group have been invited along with others to London on Monday Mm -hmm. where a couple of the guys will be heading over to Portcullis House and Parliament Buildings London. Andrew Bridgen, the MP for, I think it's Northwest Leicestershire, has invited uh, different folks to come together. Dr. Malone will be there. Um, some of the guys will be dialing in, like Dr. McCullough, uh, Mike Eden's involved, um, Pierre Corey. Lots of the top doctors will be presenting evidence and data on the harm. So I think this is key for our group to be involved with that. We stand shoulder to shoulder with all the other vaccine support groups as well and also for everyone as you mentioned affected by all vaccines as well or all medical products um there's actually a very large community of people not only from um you know injectable products but even like implantable devices as well all kinds of medical products and devices can go wrong and you know we stand shoulder to shoulder with everyone on that so hopefully from monday you'll see some uh good footage coming out from from london in terms of all these eminent scientists coming together to raise awareness of the harms of the covid vaccines isn't it sad? A sad state of affairs, though, whenever a posse of people from Northern Ireland have to be uh, travelled to London to get their voices heard in the Parliament there when they can't actually get uh, a sitting in their own parliament uh, in Northern Ireland in, in Stormont, which of course is not even currently sitting at the minute. Uh, we were actually doing a story earlier on this week that uh, there's about 30 million quids worth has been spent keeping Stormont open, just simply open. Uh, even the fact that the MLA's so-called elected representatives aren't even sitting there at the minute. Uh, it, between staff costs, electricity bills, and so on and so forth. Uh, and you can't even get a group of people from Northern Ireland to get their voices heard there to say, listen, we've been injured and we've been damaged. And 
do you not find as well uh, talking with the Vibs guys in 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 Northern Ireland, and also uh, talk with some of the Vibs uh, UK group as well? Um, I was speaking to Alex Mitchell a few weeks ago. I was trying to speak with Claire Hibbs. Both of those guys, uh, you know, they were going to hospital appointments just before they were due on to talk to me. Do we? Do you not find that? Ironically, the people that have been actually injured and damaged are almost like an afterthought with all of this. Uh, the, the the first people to be forgotten about, yet they're the first people that have been actually harmed. I think we need to absolutely make these people known and realize that they have lives, they have families, they have loved ones that they've either lost or, uh, you know, they've been seriously injured themselves. We need to keep the push on for this one because there's a danger with all the other hullabaloo that's going on in the world at the minute that this could get uh, brushed under the carpet. Well, uh, very interesting. I think this comes down to a philosophical output when it comes to vaccines or outlook, excuse me, which is I think it's utilitarianism, which is the greatest good for the greatest number. That's actually what drives this idea. It's the same idea, actually, that drives um, warfare when you can suffer massive losses of all types with your own side, because you basically uh, and sometimes maybe that's justified, but sometimes maybe it's not. And I think the same approach, I like to compare it with war, really, when it comes to vaccines. And you might recall that going right back to 2020, there was that kind of um, national patriotic spirit in the UK, certainly, in terms of this is your duty. I saw some of the military leaders also using this type of language as well, trying to encourage the civilian population that this is the type of approach that the military would tend to take. And so with that, when you have that kind of paradigm of self-sacrifice, which was the idea of wear the mask, curtail your freedoms voluntarily, in the same way that people go to war and they also um, voluntarily curtail their freedoms. And when you go to war, what do you do? You put your your limbs and your life on the line. And in a similar way, I do believe that's the philosophy that, that governs what's happening now. You're in the kind of post-war phase of the rollout of the product that causes harm. So sadly, people that have been injured in the eyes of those who are the propagators and the proponents of it are collateral damage. And that's why I have a very different philosophy. I'm sure others who are listening do. My philosophy is more simple. It's more, if something's wrong and if it causes harm, we should be able to speak the truth on that thing, regardless of what the implications may be. I can give other examples. Sometimes there are scandals that happen and people that we might have looked up to uh, do something really wrong. It could be, for example, for me within the church, it could be um, someone in the clergy, right? Now, there's two approaches. One approach is, well, it's too upsetting to think that this person we all liked has done something wrong and sweep it under the carpet. But that's inappropriate and that is uh, immoral. The other approach is it needs to come to the light. Uh, the whistleblowers need to be heard and we need to get to the bottom of it, even though that will be painful for everybody. But it's the correct thing to do in the same way with the vaccine. Even if somebody's been a proponent of it, even if they've really believed in it, you have to look at the facts and evidence. And when you're seeing the kind of people we work with who have been severely injured or suffered bereavement, how can a person uh, feel that it's right to sweep that under the carpet? I just think that's um, a mistaken philosophy at the end of the day. Yeah, it is. And that's why, you know, as, for as long as I think you and I are going to be having these discussions and, you know, we've been having these discussions since TNT Radio launched, uh, we're not going to forget about it. We've always tried to set time aside every month, every six weeks to keep keep the pressure on and to keep this topic at the forefront of people's minds, because uh, there are a lot of people out there have been seriously affected and will continue to be seriously affected and will be new people that have been seriously affected because this isn't going away anywhere. So, uh, yeah, uh, respect you for all the work that you're doing through Vibs and I and all the Vibs UK family as well. I've got to take a quick news break now. And when we come back, just want to look at an event that you guys are going to be staging. I think it's tomorrow, just to get a little bit of uh, publicity for that. And then we can move on to something else here on TNT Radio. 
news. I have a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The temporary ceasefire in Gaza has come to an end, with Israel resuming its bombardment of the besieged territory on Friday morning. NATO has once again reaffirmed its support for Ukraine in its war with Russia, the US-led bloc now upgrading Ukraine's Soviet-era defence force to NATO standards. And Tucker Carlson has vowed to lead protests across America if former President Donald Trump is convicted ahead of next year's presidential elections. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. Okay, Jonathan, just want to give a little bit of a shout out here to an event that is actually being hosted in Northern Ireland tomorrow. So I know there's a lot of people from uh, the country that are listening here at the minute. Maybe you're in the position where you've been injured or you feel like you've been overlooked or you're looking for help or guidance with regards to vaccine injury. Uh, There's an event that's being held tomorrow, I believe, which is Saturday the 2nd of December between 1 and 5 p.m. Uh, just outside of Balamina in Northern Ireland. Tell us a little bit about the agenda for that and what to expect if you were to turn up to that in person. Sure. And for anyone who wants the address, please head to the Twitter or X account, which is vibs underscore ni, and all the details will be there. So this event is being hosted actually in the home of Ken and Sharon. Sharon, who has joined you before on TNT Radio Live, who sadly they lost their 23-year-old daughter, to a severe autoimmune condition that was sudden and developed suddenly post um, vaccination. So their belief is that this was quite likely related, caused by the the COVID vaccine. Such a young person to die of this disease, which doesn't normally affect people of of her age at 23, um, led them to want to be uh, a founding part of VIBSNI. So we, along with Kathy Gray and some of the other guys, um, actually established the group their focus definitely is on practical support and emotional support and counsel for people who are injured or bereaved. And also advocates are also welcome. So if you attend tomorrow, you'll have the chance to meet Ken and Sharon in a warm environment. And really you'll have several hours where you can come and drop and, and leave as you wish to just have practical support from someone who's really been through the worst of experiences from this and yet has turned that pain into an opportunity to help other people and they're completely focused on providing uh, a listening ear and also help and support. For example, if you're injured and you require medical support, which you're not currently getting, our support group would, would like to help you. If we need to lobby um, your local politicians to get you the right type of medical treatment, if, it, if you have complex needs and the NHS locally can't service those needs or is refusing to, and also if you have legal concerns as well, if you feel that your case may be one where you were misinformed you were coerced through perhaps even just nurses and doctors making comments right down to being refused medical treatment um, unless you take the vaccine. And we have had that scenario in the group. So please reach out, feel free to pop in. And if not, um, Kathy and I also have a podcast coming out very soon. It's two hours long. We go through all the data in fine detail, all the receipts we've brought. So hopefully that will also help anyone who's interested in learning more about this um, topic. 
the podcast that you referenced just also whatever right and saying uh that that will be ultimately be uploaded onto your website which again is all the risks.com uh would that be right or are you hosting it on a separate platform you're correct rick yeah it'll be on all the risks.com and also on vibs-ni.co.uk which is the website for vibs ni so i'll i'll share it on all my social media handles as well so um, just watch this space. Next couple of days, we'll have that out. And we'll also upload all the raw documents. These are freedom of information requests. We have official replies from key government officials in Northern Ireland, people like um, the the health, the, the leader of the health service and Peter May, all kinds of key officials. We have uh, vaccination protocols signed by the, by the politicians, documents that have been removed from public websites. Um, you know, Kathy's been working for several years on freedom of information requests. She's gone through the review process, the ICO, the complaints, all this kind of stuff. And what she's showing basically is that the official number of people who have died from COVID with COVID as the only cause of death and certificate is very, very low. Whereas we're not being given the full story when it comes to the number of people who have COVID vaccination as uh, a potential uh, fatal reaction side effect of their, of their uh, vaccination. Um, the data is, um, well, we have lots of reports between, I think it's 48 and 52, but we only have a few, I think it's three proven cases, but we are not even able to ascertain how many cases are still in triage. It can take quite a long time for the coroner to go through, to do the autopsy. It can be waiting on a, on a backlog somewhere. This is actually a point that Andrew Bridgen recently made in his excess death speech about a month ago in parliament. So we really bring this out in the podcast. So if anyone's interested, yeah, check out all the risks.com and vibs-ni.co.uk. Yeah, and not just for the information that Jonathan was referring to alone. Uh, I said at the start of the show, he has a ton of stuff that he has uploaded onto that site. I mean, years of painstaking, in-depth research. And in fact, if I'm not wrong, I think at one stage, uh, Peter McCullough was actually referencing your research uh, in his own presentations. And that's uh, high praise because you're not a, a, you know, I don't mean this the way it sounds, but you're not a doctor. You know, that old... Uh, the adage that's been leveled at people, you don't need to be a doctor to understand figures and facts and statistics and to dig into things with a critical mind and an open mind and an investigative approach, which is what you did. So I think that's high testimony indeed for the level of work that you were doing, that somebody like him who is uh, an eminent uh, doctor and an expert in his field would actually be referencing you rather than the other way around. And I mean that with all due respect to you. Well, Dr. Tao Brown, um, who is a um, counterterrorism expert in the US, I connected with a lot of these folks when I used to have a LinkedIn account. And like probably a lot of people, I, I simply yeah. sacrificed it for, for the greater good, <laughs> which was basically just posting about the vaccine all day. Uh, obviously, I work, but I do it afterwards. And um, this essentially cost me my account. Now, I think LinkedIn's ultimately owned by Microsoft, so maybe not a huge surprise to anyone who has a little think about that. But what Dr. Tal Brown told me, him himself not coming from strictly a medical background, but being very intelligent and scientific, he said, look, he watched my video from November 2021, the same one that Dr. McCullough reposted. And he said, what was really important is having voices who actually don't come from the medical scientific world. Because coming from cybersecurity, I can tell you it's a very similar paradigm also to anyone who's come from a legal background, anyone who's come from anything to do with like crime prevention, which ultimately is what cybersecurity is actually about. It's actually about crime prevention. You're trying to put controls in place to prevent the possibility of malicious cyber activity, which is not legal, which is criminal. When I look at the vaccination program, I consider it to be something which, if the law was being enacted in its correct way when it comes to medical regulations that are already in place with regards to fraud, 
with regards to um, the principles of medical ethics, like informed consent, then the thing would get shut down. What I could then observe was obviously scientists, doctors, and everyone else is being threatened with, you know, their loss of career, loss of earnings, loss of reputation, even loss of family sometimes. And therefore, it requires someone with an investigative uh, nuance to them or an investigative bone in their body. And it's not something I've done before. And again, this is where it comes down to my faith. Because of my particular faith being a Christian faith and also a flavor of Christianity that sees the world as a hostile place prior to the return of the Messiah, I see this age between Jesus' first coming and second coming as one which has been given over to the devil when it comes to the structures, the power, the principalities, the ruling authorities. So to me, it makes total sense why it would be so difficult to speak out. Jesus said, do not love the world nor the things of the world. So when I look at people who would rather not speak out and keep their university positions, keep their, you know, <laughs> extra salary per jab, per care home completed type stuff, well, it all just represents the world to me. And I don't have any part in that. So to me, it's not a very unnatural thing because I'm not looking for this world. I'm looking for what Jesus will bring when he returns. So again, I think the, really the place that really helped me is the philosophical side. That's why I often emphasize that on the radio, because I can talk about data, freedom of information requests, all these things. And I do that plenty at the website. Mm -hmm. But this is the really interesting bit. It's the question that everyone should be asking, which is, why do some people oppose it and why do other people not? Now, there will be other reasons behind that, that people won't share my faith and they would have done the absolutely wonderful work. I just like to emphasize that because for me, that's the really interesting part of my particular story. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also, it's a perfect uh, example. Uh, you quoted there, or you you referenced uh, people that wouldn't give up their position, maybe people that didn't want to lose their prestigious position in the eyes of the world, people that didn't want to lose their salary, or they were going to do without a bonus for jabbing certain amount of people and care homes completed. You know, they're serving mammon at the end of the day. And, you know, you're talking about uh, biblical principles here. The Bible says that you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do both. It's physically impossible. So a lot of people that are serving God are trying to do the right thing by their fellow human uh, are being silenced and hated and demonized and ostracized and shut up. But those that are serving mammon are the things of this world are the ones that are doing well at this time. But of course, we also know that there's uh, times and seasons for everything. There's a time to get and a time to cast away, a time to be quiet, a time to speak out. And ultimately, everything goes round in cycles. So um, let's just say that our time will come. <laughs> That's a, a very uh, political statement to make in Northern Ireland in particular, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? A hundred percent. This is also a really key theme. Just one more thought biblically as well. You look at yep. the likes of Esther defying the law of the Medes and the Persians when she advocated for her people against the uh, insidious plot of Haman to destroy them. When you look at the likes of Daniel, for example, bravely telling the king the interpretation of the dream. All these examples, Joseph in Egypt, and perhaps the best example being Moses. Um, and this is referenced in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it looks back at Moses and said, look, he was brought in as a baby into the household of Pharaoh. So he was a Hebrew. He was of the people of Israel. And yet he was brought in. He had, was taken as their own. He was had all this wealth. Yet he looked at the suffering and oppression of his people under slavery, under hard bondage and labor, and decided to despise those riches for the sake of doing the right thing. Very, very, very consistent theme in the word of God all the way throughout in both the Old and the New Testament. And what I'm really saying is this is absolutely no different. What you see is an opportunity to be at more at ease, be more at comfort, but to go along with a lie and something that's wrong, or the opportunity to say, 
this conforms perfectly with the biblical worldview, the biblical outlook that's clearly expressed throughout the whole testimonies of, of both the testaments of, of scripture. Uh, and again, I think it's well patterned basically from the likes of Moses. So that's why he was actually used as Moses as a, as a, as an example. So he basically goes and becomes, as you know, the leader, um, along with, with Aaron at his right hand and then leads them obviously out of bondage. Um, but he does slip up and he, and he doesn't quite get to the, to the promised land. So, so, so no, he does have his moments bad, as well. He's he had not a perfect. bad temper. He had a bad temper. And uh, there's a cursory lesson for us all too. You can be God's man and you can be able to do miracles, but uh, you got to do what he says as well, or you don't get to see that land that flows with milk and honey. There's a brilliant comment, by the way, Jonathan, in the chat, a brilliant question that's asked by River. Uh, they say, do we look for the next world then and just forget about those that are here now? Quite the opposite. Uh, let me answer that one if you don't mind. You have to be conscious of the next world and you have to be uh you know uh, you know have to be aware of the next world but you also have to live in this present world and you have to do what's right by other people while you're actually here you know we're called to love other people uh treat other people as we treat ourselves and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves so you know the reason jonathan does what he does he's not getting paid and uh, to do all this research he's not getting paid to do all these calls he's doing it because he's trying to help people and he doesn't just do it from a materialistic point of view he's doing it from a spiritual point of view as well so it's a little bit like these conversations we have here in TNT as well. We're not uh, we're talking about forgetting what's happening in the world at the minute and just looking forward to the life that to come. Quite the opposite, actually. We're very focused on what's happening right now because if we weren't, then he wouldn't be talking to me this morning and TNT uh, wouldn't actually be on the radio. So brilliant question, actually. Uh, she's uh, He or she, uh, River, I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but do we look for the next world? Yes, we do. We have to be conscious of the next world, but we know we don't forget about those that are here now. We're, that's why we're trying to do what we're doing and even you guys in the live chat you know you're invested in this too you're trying to bring the truth to people you're trying to wake people up you're trying to save people's lives effectively so very good question and uh, i know it just um uh, it's good it's good to have these chats uh, that we have with jonathan here every uh once in a while on tnt radio we're going to take a short break and when we come back i want to look at some legalities behind pfizer they're suing poland for example and they're being sued by Texas, uh, sue and be sued. It's almost like it sounds like a biblical thing too, but we'll talk about that when we come back here on DNT. So please don't go away. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Mike Gumba, Mark Morano is over in Dubai. He actually was telling me that I should go over there with him, but I have other things to do. In any case, Mark has said that the COP28 is shaping up to be a doubling down on the green agenda, despite the massive failure on a grand global scale. Now, I'm sure Mark is going to be talking about this quite a bit, but I would be remiss, if or remiss, whichever word you want to use, if I did not bring up what Mark sent down today and he's going to be reporting on this and make no mistake about it this un climate summit will continue the push for the collapse of our once plentiful energy food supply and transportation what could be the possible reason to do that i mean you have bill gates king charles john kerry the world economic forum all these people are elitist all of them are ignorant as to what is actually driving the climate all of them are arrogant and believe that they are smarter than everyone else and therefore they wish to control everyone else that is what this is all about i'm sure as mark reports on it everybody's going to pick up on that this is tnt climate and weather watchdog meteorologist joe bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather it's the only weather you've got asthma is a growing problem especially among children asthma affects the quality of life for millions like me every single day 
My name is Chris Draft, and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a brilliant, naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. No, I don't want you to go away. Not just yet. Anyway, uh, this is TNT Radio Live. I'm talking to Jonathan Feisman this morning. Just a big shout out to all the people that are listening in in the live chat. And thank you, uh, River, for asking the question and also clarifying. Uh, I'm a man invested just as you are. Yeah, I know you were just asking, but sometimes when people are listening in, they're thinking, well, what are they talking about? Going to heaven and we all we all perish here and this. No, it's not that at all. It's just uh, we have to be conscious uh, of what's going on in the world at the minute and speak out against any injustices, which I think you would all agree is what we're actually doing here on TNT. Skippy says materialism or consumerism is an issue because it is excessive. If we reject materialism, then the controllers will be pleased that you will own nothing. That's one way to look at it. But again, uh, you have to be uh, careful that you don't let that become your idol, the gain of things and the inheritance of things, laying up treasures for yourself on earth where moth uh, and rust corrupt and thieves break and destroy rather than laying up for yourself. As the Bible says, treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break into steel or destroy on moths and rust cannot corrupt. So uh, trying to squeeze as much Bible in as we can here before the top of the hour. Uh, we'll have to move on to another issue here, actually, uh, legalities. Uh, legalism, I suppose you would call it, uh, to do with Pfizer, your old friends, Pfizer, who you had an absolute nightmare trying to get some uh, clear information from them. I remember you used to see all the sheets they sent you uh, redacted. And it was almost like someone took a black Sharpie pen and just scribbled all over a white A4 piece of paper. Apparently, uh, Pfizer are taking Poland to court, They're trying to take the Polish government to court because they, they ordered a lot of, um, or they pledged that they would take on a lot of uh, their death jobs, but then they refused to take them because there was no uptake there. Now Pfizer want them to follow through in that contract. But now as well as that, uh, Texas is suing Pfizer for misrepresenting COVID-19 vaccine efficacy and, quote, conspiring to censor public discourse. So where does all this stand, in your opinion, Jonathan, on a legal point of view? Because, you know, the emergency use exemption uh, was something that was used to effectively uh, get these big pharma hullions off the hook if it came to vaccine damage because it was done under an emergency. That's why the exemptions were offered. People can't sue them. But now we're seeing lawsuits coming out here, lawsuits coming out there. There's another group, the, the VibGK group, are taking AstraZeneca to court. They're trying to take them to court for false claims as well. Where does all this sit from a legal perspective? Okay, so... Firstly, when it comes to private enterprises of any industry, they will engage in marketing. And this is always the paradigm that I've been trying to explain for quite a while. For example, um, my talk in June last year was called um, Medical Mismarketing. It was basically around the fact that the companies are explaining it in such a way that they're misrepresenting the clear efficacy claims. So for example, one of the aspects of the Texas lawsuit is that Pfizer focused on, I think it's the 
um, relative risk reduction, which I think they claimed was 95% versus the absolute risk reduction, which is in various guidelines in the um, medical and uh, clinical trial literature that you should never use the um, relative risk reduction because it inflates in people's minds how effective it is. You have to actually show them overall how much less likely would you be to contract the um, pathogen, if that's the endpoint of the trial, which it supposedly was, versus if you didn't take the treatment. So if you if you use the actual absolute risk reduction, it's only like 0.8% um, effective, which is very, very small. And most people probably would think that's not good enough in order to um, take the treatment. So that's one aspect. But I would say with that, that the pharmaceuticals will do marketing. It's really for the regulators, it's for the government, and it's for the national health services to th themselves independently scrutinize these private professional uh, companies, right? So that, that's one thing One thing I would like to focus on is it's not only the pharmaceutical, it's everyone else who kind of took their, um, their story and ran with it. Also, when it comes to both AstraZeneca and Pfizer-BioNTech, the key issue, I suppose, where some of these legal challenges may get a bit further is when it comes to contamination. Many times I come on the radio and I said, look, AstraZeneca is polluted in an unacceptable manner. It, it, it violates the EMA guidelines by a couple of hundred fold. It violates their own supposed results. Anyone can check out this article from gene therapy experts from University of uh, Germany. And these experts use superior techniques, mass spectrometry, biochemical analysis, unlike probably what they used in um, AstraZeneca, which is probably ELISA. Now I've asked, which is basically not going to give you a true count for the amount of human protein in the, in the jab, because AstraZeneca is created using a human protein, um, human cell line, basically, HEC293. Now, this issue, I believe, is probably responsible for some of the adverse reactions that people have experienced from AstraZeneca because of the interaction between the human protein and there's like over 2,000 proteins in this jab. There's more human protein in the AstraZeneca jab than the protein coming from the adenovirus vector. When this study from Germany also compared it to Johnson & Johnson, they found relatively normal levels in Johnson & Johnson because it's created using a similar process. There's definitely something wrong with AstraZeneca. So I would say that shows it's a polluted product that the regulators didn't react swiftly to given adverse reactions in passive reporting system like FAIRS in the US, um, Eurovigilance in Europe, and the yellow card system in, in the UK. Now, with Pfizer-BioNTech, as everybody now is coming aware of, they did a different process for creating the jabs for what's called process two batches, which is the general population versus what was used for process one in the clinical trials. In, clinical, in the clinical trials, they were basically using synthetic DNA, which was produced artificially from a template, but using the, um, which is a much neater process, you don't get as much contamination. For the general population, they scaled it up by using massive vats, literally of E. coli, and they then grow the DNA for the spike protein in the E. coli, and then cause it to replicate because bacteria replicates very, very quickly under the correct conditions. Mm -hmm. And then they would try to purify out or extract the DNA, which they then convert to RNA through in vitro transcription. The problem there is it was a completely different process, but it's known to be a cheaper process and it's known to be a dirty and pollutant in, um, in, uh, inviting process, let's just say. So you can get endotoxin, which is the outer cell wall of the gram-negative bacteria, which can lead to like anaphylactis, sepsis, uh, toxic shock syndrome, for example. Maybe there's short-term reactions. And also you have issues when it comes to little um, strands of DNA that are, that are have not been correctly cut and, and um, removed because you're supposed to purify out the DNA so you only have RNA in the final product. So AstraZeneca jab, sorry, the, the Pfizer-BioNTech jab probably has high levels of DNA in it as per 
Dr. Kevin McKernan's research, and this has been replicated by several different labs in Japan, the US and elsewhere. And it will also have likely endotoxin, because again, the assay they use for endotoxin also has a problem. They tend to use, it's called limulus amoebocyte lysate, which uses uh, the bright blue blood of horseshoe crabs. And I mentioned this again before, but this is very environment dependent. It's finicky. So key, key point of all the stuff I've just said, right? When it comes to these pharmaceutical companies, my biggest problem or one of my biggest problems when it comes to the quality of the product and the legal side is they won't even tell us, um, uh, they won't show us all the results using the most sensitive, accurate test assays. They say to the regulators, here's the assay we will use. It could be ELISA when it comes to detecting human protein for AstraZeneca. It is LAL assay for detecting endotoxin with um, Pfizer-BioNTech. But these assays are not optimal. These assays do not give you the true picture. So then you look at what the Germans did with AstraZeneca, and that explains why they found hundreds of levels higher than what AstraZeneca had reported, because they use an insensitive assay. It's that simple. That, for me, should be the focus of the legal arguments, in my opinion, when it comes to the pharmaceuticals and, and, and also challenging the regulators. When it comes to the marketing, they're just being pharmaceutical companies. That's what they do. It's totally wrong, but I'm not sure that it's as strong an argument as the issue with contamination, because then you can say, look, it was a different product. It was mismarketed as an actual product rather than just sales speech and things like that. So that's my view on it. Have you ever thought about a career change maybe in the law? <laughs> well, again, <if> the lawyers <laughs> don't do the right thing. Then. <laughs> no, we have some great lawyers, uh, even in Northern Ireland. Um, fantastic lawyers. We, we work with a few. There are, there are not as many as there could be. Those we do That's have. That's why I'm asking fantastic. the question. Uh, <laughs> have you considered a career change in the law? You sound damn convincing. I mean, like, and you're not even sitting in a court of law. I'm serious. Uh, the stuff that you're coming out with is so uh, bulletproof and watertight, and the way that you're putting it across, uh, it, well, it's not easy to understand, but you're saying it in such a way that people can grasp it if they spend a little bit of time investing in that. So, yeah, just uh, throwing that one out there. Uh, we've almost out of time here. Um, uh, I want to say uh, before the end of the show as well, you're doing actually a talk tomorrow. Uh, we've got a few minutes left uh, with your dad, which is pretty cool. Uh, you're doing a talk in a church uh, tomorrow. So if you're li listen, if you're listening in, uh, some people agree with uh, what Jonathan and I say. He and I both have pretty similar views when it comes to uh, spirituality and, and faith uh, with our, our beliefs in the Bible and one thing and another. But some people disagree with it. That's fine. You don't have to agree with us. But some people out there do agree with it. And if you happen to be uh, in Northern Ireland, and uh, you've got some time in your hands tomorrow, or no, sorry, Saturday, the 9th of December. So this is uh, not tomorrow, but the following Saturday, uh, there's a church in uh, Newton Ards, I think it is, uh, Crossroads Church, uh, Craig Antlet Road in Newton Ards. Uh, you're going to be doing a, a, a little talk along with your dear old dad. Uh, so your dad, the Reverend Robert Weissman, and I will be speaking at a special event we've organized on Israel, the Apocalypse and the Gospel. So I get a lot of questions about this. People DM me, people ask me questions. I'm sure you get inundated with questions about this. It's good to have uh, an event like this that Jonathan's doing where he can put out a point for an hour. His dad can do the same thing and then maybe take questions after it. Will this be videoed and uh, uploaded onto your, all the risks as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. This event is planned to be video recorded. I've uh, been hoping, dreaming, praying, wishing for this event for several years. This event is the first time I've actually put on an event organized it myself and had total freedom to speak on any topic that I wish to. Mm. Um, it's the result of a lot of prayer, um, a very gracious offer from the church themselves. 
and partnership with my dad. So I'm super excited. I'll be showing this video out of everyone. I will promise one thing. I will only try to please God and to be faithful to the scriptures as I understand them and not to please anybody. So if anyone sounds like that's interesting to you, yeah, either come along or look out for the video afterwards. And Thursday, I'm also on a live stream with South Africa on the same topic as well. So I'll be joining them as well. So I'll be showing all this out very soon. Fantastic. And uh, you can advertise that on our website, TNT Radio, as well. Uh, send the information through and uh, they'll stick it on our What's On thing. So the, the 11 o'clock, uh, 10 to 11 o'clock session, Jonathan's father, Israel, God's beloved enemy. Then there's a little break and then Jonathan's doing a session called The Apocalypse and the gospel sounds absolutely fantastic so just a shout out to that johnny and wishing you all the best for you and your dad for saturday week uh catch up with the the, the aftermath from that uh, that's the right word to use on all the risks.com and uh yeah stay in touch uh massive thanks to you jonathan as always it's a blast talking to you and i will get you on again sooner rather than later so everyone listening thanks for everything this week uh, we'll be back on monday with more of the same here on tnt radio and don't go away james Freeman.